Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. This is my mom. Am I going to get paid for this? <laughs> and Glenn Leverens. This is Morning Air. That's how I know. <laughs> On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Tuesday, February 28th. Good morning, and welcome back to the final hour of Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn Leverens and our studio producer, Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us across America and beyond, wherever you may be on this very last day of February here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Now, even though we're in the first full week of Lent, there is still time to elevate your Lent this year in just a few few minutes every day with Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass. They are packed with all kinds of interesting facts and teachings to help you learn more about the Mass in your faith. See why these bite-sized videos had over a million views last year. You can sign up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass this morning at relevantradio.com slash Lent. Get ready to learn the Mass, live the Mass, and love the Mass more than ever before, as Father Rocky has said so many times. And the good news is they're 100% absolutely free. That's relevantradio.com slash Lent. One more thing. Father Rocky himself will be joining us at the bottom of the hour to talk about Lent and his Lenten lessons on the Mass. So stay tuned. I want to bring in our morning air team, Glenn and Sarah Glenn, what are a few of the big stories that are making headlines this hour here on this Tuesday morning? John, looking at a couple of court cases this week in the Supreme Court today, there'll be some oral arguments. They'll take a couple hours uh, over President Biden's plan to forgive some $400 billion in student loan debt. Several Republican-led states and folks are challenging this. It's been overturned at uh, the lower court level by some federal judges as well, challenging whether the president has the ability to just by executive order, spend $400 billion on something like that. And there's about 26 million people who already have signed up once this was announced before it was really clear how, how legal this was. But uh, many folks are waiting to hear how that turns out, John. Glenn, what's the main argument uh, against uh, the president's executive order? Uh, once again, uh, that the president, does he have the authority really with just a, a signature of a pen to spend $400 billion and wipe out all his student loan debt? And obviously, uh, there are uh, many who feel that he does it. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how uh, the court uh, rules on this one. Yeah, it's uh, it's been uh, overturned already a couple of times in lower courts, and they keep uh, keep moving it ahead. So we should find out before too long about that. Another case as well in Texas, a federal judge set to rule on mifepristone, the abortion pill used in the majority of chemical abortions. And chemical abortions now make up over half of all abortions across the U.S. This would limit those pills uh, all across the country, not only in states where abortion is still legal, but uh, everywhere, in addition to this being a more common uh, method of abortion. But it's also seen as a way to uh, get abortion into states that have, since Roe v. Wade made it illegal in their states. This is something that uh, pro-life leaders uh, have been uh, warning uh, for, for some time now uh, about the dangers of uh, this uh, so-called uh, abortion pill. Yeah, this would be very good news uh, for pro-lifers out there. Babies will be saved if this is uh, uh, eliminated as an option. There are other chemical abortion options, kind of a, a mix of some other drugs that will still be out there so that it won't be eliminated altogether. But uh, this would be a good step. 
Obviously, uh, this abortion pill has been in the news uh, recently uh, with uh, many different uh, pro-life groups uh, actually protesting outside of, uh, of Walgreens and CVS and other pharmacies uh, in many parts of the country. Yeah, the battle has really heated up since Roe v. Wade. The states where abortion is legal have really, really uh, cranked up uh, the ability for people to get an abortion. Uh, Minnesota recently uh, in a Democrat-controlled legislature and at the state house level, uh, some of the most, uh, quote, progressive abortion laws, not only in the land but around the world. And so states uh, taking a hard left turn on that uh, where... That's the, the majority situation there. And the fact that these pills have been widely available now in some of our major chain pharmacies, uh, again, is, is quite concerning. So this is a very important ruling, again, uh, to be coming out of Texas with a federal judge making a decision soon that could affect the entire country. Meanwhile, on a much, much uh, lighter note, uh, today is National Tooth Fairy Day. Uh, so the question is, how is this day celebrated, Sarah? Well, I guess it's up to the individual family how they wanted to celebrate Tooth Fairy Day. But the story of the Tooth Fairy has gone back all the way to the Middle Ages. Um, it's been heard all around the country in China and other parts of the country and of our country and other countries. It's amazing how far the Tooth Fairy has to go to collect all of these teeth. And I was thinking about it. You know, you have at least 20 baby teeth. So depending on how much you're getting per tooth, that is a pretty nice commission that's coming in for losing those teeth. Because, you know, can be a little painful to lose the teeth. There's also multiple ways you can lose a tooth. And I've even seen in some tooth fairy movies that kids are trying to rip those teeth out on purpose so that they can uh, cash in on that tooth fairy money. But I'm just thinking, have you ever have you ever faked a tooth, gotten some something that could look tooth-like and paint it white and put it <laughs> under your pillow to try to get that cash a little bit early? Anybody ever do that? Uh, no, not that I know of. Uh, Glenn, what about you? <laughs> I have not done that, but I got thinking, how can we celebrate? Maybe, uh, hey, if Junior has a, a molar that's a little bit loose. Come on over here. Let's get that thing out and celebrate. And it's, I had baby teeth that would not come out very easily. And uh, so it was always a bit of a struggle. It, it, what comes to mind, one of my favorite baby tooth removal stories, someone had uh, tied a string around a, a, a rocket to the tooth, you oh, know, a little buddy. backyard rocket. And um, Apparently that worked. Probably not recommended, but uh, either that it was a really good fake video, but we kind of the early days of videos, so I was kind of impressed by that. Also, just a, a quick note, you know, wondering why we have this day for the Tooth Fairy. Well, he's in the club with Santa and the Easter Bunny, according to my younger daughter. And one time we were having the talk. It was just the two of us driving quite a quite a ways alone in the car. And she was eight at the time and answered, asked rather point blank. And so uh, the minute we, we talked a little bit about St. Nick and then... Uh, uh, the next question instantly was uh, Easter Bunny and Tooth Fairy. So maybe this is, uh, you know, to be part of that club, Tooth Fairy gets a day. Yeah, they have a group meeting. I don't know how many oftentimes <laughs> they get together, but it's nice that they get to do that. And uh, there are actually, there's actually a Tooth Fairy Museum in Springfield, Illinois. So if you live near there or are planning a trip near there, you can see uh, Abraham Lincoln's Museum and then, you know, the Tooth Fairy Museum right down the street. So that would be kind of fun. Wow. Well... Uh, happy National Tooth Fairy Day to all of you. As always, thanks so much, uh, Sarah and Glenn. Hey, sure thing, John. We uh, begin every hour here on Morning Air, always in prayer, uh, giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On uh, Tuesdays, we always remember uh, the guardian angels. Each one of us has a guardian angel, so we should pray often to our guardian angel. Ask our guardian angel, these heavenly companions, for help. And don't forget your guardian angel. This morning, uh, we're going to talk about the apostolic fathers uh, who were contemporaries of the apostles and were probably taught by them, uh, carrying on the tradition and the teachings of the apostles themselves as direct successors. Now, some of the most notable apostolic fathers include St. Ignatius of Antioch, who was a a disciple of the apostles, St. John, uh, Pope St. Clement, and St. Polycarp. But the question is, what did these uh, apostolic fathers actually believe what were their beliefs were their beliefs Catholic joining us live is morning air contributor and Catholic convert uh, resident apologist William Albrecht with much more on the Apostolic Fathers and their Catholic beliefs William is an international speaker and debater and has participated in well over 65 live and moderated debates he runs a website patristicpillars.com which is dedicated to the early church fathers good morning William thanks so much for joining us once again. Great to be with you. Good morning, brother. Great to be with you and thrilled to be able to talk about a really, really important topic, the Apostolic Early Church Fathers, and hopefully it will edify everybody tuning in, and hopefully a few people out there will learn a little little bit about their faith, a little bit more about their faith. Absolutely. Uh, Can you explain to us who who were the Apostolic Church Fathers and uh, why they're so important for us in this day and age? Yeah, they're incredibly important because when we think of the Apostolic Church Fathers, we think of those very first Church Fathers that wrote outside of Scripture— after the Bible, after the final book of the Bible is written, the book of Revelation, we have figures, incredible church fathers like St. Ignatius of Antioch, Bishop of Antioch, and the amazing St. Bishop Polycarp, and Pope St. Clement of Rome. They are three of the most prominent apostolic early church fathers. So why do we call them apostolic because they have ties to the apostolic church fathers brother as you know very well the great polycarp was taught and trained by the apostle john as saint irenaeus tells us and we know that pope saint clement of rome was baptized baptized by saint peter and of course saint ignatius of Antioch, also a disciple of john this incredible testimony takes us to the biblical era takes us right there to our Lord, because we know that the apostles walked the streets and walked the lands, the holy lands, with our Lord. And so uh, the reason that these fathers are so important is because they literally had direct contact with uh, the actual apostles. You talk about, you know, getting a uh, firsthand witness testimony. These guys knew the same apostles that walked the earth with our blessed Lord. They sure did. They knew them. They knew them well. They were taught and trained by them. 
And the amazing thing, the thing that should really blow us away is that in these early writings, we literally have basically the very first early commentaries in sacred scripture. So when we look and we delve into those commentaries, well, we will be a little bit surprised perhaps to find that these early individuals were uniquely Catholic. St. Ignatius of Antioch, for instance, in his letter to the Smyrnians tells us that wherever anybody is, they should look for a particular kind of church. Well, what kind of church should they look for? Well, he says they should look for the Catholic church. And he tells us in his letter to the Romans, I have no taste for corruptible food, nor the pleasures of this life. I desire the bread of God, which is the flesh of Jesus Christ, who is of the seed of David, and for drink I desire his blood, which is love incorruptible. The apostolic fathers, who were taught and trained by the apostles, taught things that were uniquely Catholic. And I think that it's important to make a distinction between the Apostolic Fathers uh, specifically and the early Church Fathers in general, which extends many centuries uh, from the early Church. Yeah, what a great point you bring up there, brother, because the Apostolic Fathers are the earliest, and they have a direct tie to the Apostles. Indeed, St. Irenaeus, who is writing in the 100s, tells us that Polycarp would sit and listen to the great Apostle John preach and teach. Well, this is incredible, because if they were taught directly from the Apostles, and they are teaching these uniquely Catholic things, well, we know that just as the Church has said from the beginning, our Lord established a Church, one Church, a visible Church, with a visible hierarchy. And the important thing is, is when we read Pope St. Clement of Rome, we read a writing to the le- uh, his letter to the Church of Corinth, And he is writing with that authority that only the papal office could write with. You bring up a great point, brother. Later church fathers are writing centuries later. Still, they provide incredible witness, but there's something uniquely special about the apostolic church fathers. And in fact, um, I had, remember hearing a, a while back that uh, in the early church, before the canon uh, was decided, um, centuries later, um, that you might actually hear a letter from uh, St. Clement uh, in the early Masses. Yes, you're correct. You, re- you would. That was amazing, because later on in history, this is a fantastic point, John, because later in history, when they would discover the greatest ancient collection of manuscripts. You would find sacred scripture in there. You would find the proto-canonical text. You'd always find the Deuterocanon. And shockingly enough, a lot of the times you'd find the letter of Pope Clement in there. Now, it was not there because they, they would view it as equal to the Bible, but it was included there because they would preach from it from the pulpit. That tells us right there that the authority of that early apostolic father of that early pulp was an incredible authority. And we have writers all throughout history. We have Irenaeus, we even have Tertullian, and many other figures that tell us that Pope Clement of Rome, Pope St. Clement of Rome, had great authority. And indeed, the reason he wrote to the Church of Corinth was, like Paul, to tell them to get their act together, because they were were out of order yet again. But he wrote to them with authority. And all over it, you get the idea 
you get the early flowering idea of papal supremacy. Why do I say early flowering? Well, I don't mean the faith ever created or added anything that wasn't originally there. But early on, you've got to realize the church was being persecuted. So you don't have as many writings. They're not, there are not as many apostolic writings as there are church father writings later. But the ones that we do have, from the figures we do have, show us incredible things like prayers of the dead, veneration of relics, um, the utilization of the Deuterocanon, papal primacy, the Holy Eucharist being the true body and blood of our Lord. I've got to tell you, brother, when I read the Apostolic Fathers, my faith in the my Catholic faith was strengthened even more. And William, uh, obviously, uh, when you go back and actually read uh, what these uh, fathers wrote, these apostolic fathers, uh, it was it was not uh, evangelical. It was not Protestant. Uh, it was extremely Catholic. Uh, some of these ideas that developed uh, at, at the time of the Reformation uh, were unheard of at the time of the apostolic fathers. No doubt. Indeed, you read the writings of a Calvin, you read the writings of a Luther, a Zwingli, a Francis Turretin, and you really have to lament the fact that they even criticize the veneration of relics. But then we look at the apostolic fathers. Polycarp, remember him, walked with John, was taught by John. In the martyrdom of Polycarp, we read, and afterwards, we took up his bones, which are more valuable than precious stones, and finer than refined gold, and laid them in a suitable place where the Lord will permit us to gather ourselves as we are able in gladness and joy and to celebrate the birthday of his martyrdom. Now, that, that really does sound very Catholic to me, John, because we venerate, we love those holy relics of those saints that have gone to their glory, that have gone to the Lord. And it really is unfortunate because when you get to the time of the Reformation, John, even if they may have said they didn't want to create a counter-religion, that really is what they tried to do, John, and what they really did do. There was no, uh, there was no uh, Bible alone, sola scriptura, taught by uh, the apostolic fathers. There was no uh, faith alone taught by the apostolic fathers. You can read through all the writings of all these fathers, and you will not find this. You will not. Indeed, you will look in the letter of Pope Clement, and you will read that he talks about being justified, that Greek word, dikaiosune, that Greek word that he's talking about for being saved. Now, how will, they, will people be saved? He talks about people being saved by good works. Now, he presupposes that they have faith in our Lord. So there you have it right there. Faith and good works in the letters of the Apostolic Fathers as well. And you're right, if there was such thing as sola scripturum, perhaps we would have imagined Pope Clement telling the church at Corinth that needed his letter of authority. Well, you know what? Just go to the Bible. You don't need, need my letter to get you back in line. But they indeed did need his letter. They need an authoritative teaching, living, breathing, teaching magisterium. And John, praise the Lord. That is what we have today. And that is unique in the Catholic Church. And that is why I got to say, John, everybody should be Catholic. And anybody that is Catholic, Praise God, you're in the right place. What a beautiful time of year that we're living in right now.
Well, William, uh, when we take a look uh, at uh, the list of popes uh, going all the way back uh, to Peter uh, and today uh, the 265th successor of uh, St. Peter in uh, Pope Francis, we see in the early church uh, from the writings of St. Uh, Irenaeus uh, a list. He actually describes it. Yep. The, the blessed apostles Peter and Paul, having founded and built up the Church of Rome, handed over the office of the episcopate to Linus. So he mentioned Linus yep. as successor of Peter. Uh, Paul then makes mention of this Linus in the epistle to Timothy, and there's a reference to 2 Timothy 4, uh, and then succeeded by Anacletus, and after him, in third place from the apostles, Clement was chosen for the episcopate. We know from the writings of these uh, early fathers, these apostolic fathers, just exactly who were the successors of St. Peter all the way to today. And that truly is amazing, John, because that is what we call apostolic succession. There is only one church that can go all throughout history in that unbroken line. And as we know from the writings of the great doctor of the church, St. Irenaeus, there is a preeminence that is there at the Church of Rome. And who is the head at the Church of Rome? It is the vicar of Christ. It is the successor of St. Peter. And this is something everybody should be proud of. Be proud of being Catholic because our Lord established that one true church. And um, just as a reminder, many years later, the great uh, theologian St. Augustine uh, put it pretty clearly, I would put no faith in the Gospels unless the authority of the Catholic Church directed me to do so. So uh, th- there's so much evidence. All you got to do is take the time to look into it and to study it, and uh, you will find out that, that uh, what we teach today uh, truly is based on uh, the early Church and, and these early apostolic uh, fathers. That is definitely correct. It truly is. And St. Augustine relies a lot on that ancient history to come to the Catholic Church. He tried to resist and tried and tried, but eventually through his dialogues with his spiritual father, St. Ambrose, he was convinced of the Catholic Church because of the rich history that could be dated through historical documentation right to the beginning, right to our Lord and Savior Christ. Well, as always, really appreciate uh, your perspective, uh, your expertise, especially uh, on the early church fathers and uh, these fathers that we are talking about today, the apostolic church fathers. Thanks so much, uh, as always, William. Thank you for having me. Look forward to being back with you all. For much more, you can visit patristicpillars.com. We need to take a short break when Morning Air returns. Father Francis Hoffman, Father Rocky, the CEO and chairman of Relevant Radio, will be with us to talk about Lent and the Lenten lessons on the Mass. So stay with us on this Tuesday as the final hour of Morning Air rolls on here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. is Morning Air, your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning. Wow, does that bring back uh, some memories. The Captain and Tennille, welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Can you believe it? The very last day of February. Of course, we are well underway with Lent on this Tuesday of the first week of the Lenten season. 
The question is, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are things going so far with Lent? Well, we are joined live by Father Francis Hoffman, Father Rocky, the CEO of Relevant Radio and the host of the Family Rosary Across America to talk about all things Lent and especially Father Rocky's Lenten lessons on the Mass. Father Rocky is a priest of Opus Dei. He was ordained by Pope St. John Paul II and is the author of a number of books, including Mary at the Crossroads of History. Good morning, Father Rocky. Thanks so much for joining us. It is always great to be with you, and especially here at the beginning of Lent. John, it's great to be with you and Sarah and Glenn this morning, entire audience across America. I love your show. You know, I first got started on Morning Air about 20 years ago, come this November. You were the one who invited me to that, and it's always been a staple of uh, my life. You know, for a long time, I had that one-hour segment every uh, Tuesday morning. But uh, with increased responsibilities, um, I could no longer do that. And then God blessed us by you know, giving you even better guests like Harry Kramer. He's a great guest and speaks about uh, business values. And Bruce Lockenauer and Father Burke Masters is on every week and Monsignor Shea. And, and then, of course, your great guests, Sarah Tafoya and Glenn Leverance, right? What a team. I love it. I love it. We, we really are a team. And, Father, we really are so blessed. We have so many fantastic contributors week in and week out. But it's always a treat to go back uh, to one of the originals, and that is, of course, you. You've been with the part of this show for such a long time, and always uh, appreciate when you can take a, a moment to to uh, to be with us. And uh, Lent is something that I know that uh, you enjoy talking about. Can you, first of all, uh, kind of give us an overview of why, why is Lent so important for us as Catholics? What is the significance of Lent? You know, it's a fascinating question because Lent is a gift from God to us, and it happens every year more or less at the same time. The reason it doesn't happen on the same day is because the liturgical calendar of the time of Jesus was a lunar calendar, right, based on the cycles of the moon. And there are 13 cycles of the moon during one solar calendar year. So we're more or less always in the same season, but we're, we could be as much as a, a month off. And it's a fascinating thing. It's every year we celebrate Easter. Every year we commemorate the death of Christ. Every year we have these 40 days of Lent. Every year we have Christmas on Christmas Day. And it gives you something to look forward to. And every year we have these four seasons, right? You have the summer solstice on June 20th or 21st and the equinox on September 20th or 21st, and we mark our seasons and times according to this, and it's a holy season. So what Lent is all about is we are invited to walk with Jesus in the desert for 40 days, because we read that in the sacred scriptures. Before he began his public ministry, he went out into the desert, the Judean desert, which is really, really bleak. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been a number of times, but it's surprisingly bleak and, and dry as a bone. He went out there for 40 days to pray and fast as a way to begin his public ministry. So there's a lesson in that for each of us. If we want to do something that's good and life-changing, and impactful for the good of souls, for the good of the world, for the good of others. It really begins with prayer and fasting. And so during the Lenten season, we are invited to pray, fast, and give alms. And so um, I like to keep things simple. I'm saying for prayer, let's all try to pray a little bit more. 
If you don't pray the family rosary across America with us each evening, I would like to invite you to do so, invite your entire family. John, I remember when I was chaplain at Northridge Prep, one of the uh, fathers of the boys there told me that their Lenten fast is to turn off TV and all social media. said it's the happiest time of the year because the kids aren't arguing. You know, they're not bickering. And what they do is they turn on the uh, TV to watch the Family Roads Across America on RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. And it brings the family together. It's a joyful moment, but it also expands people's horizons because they become aware of, gosh, there's a lot of people in this world who have it worse off than I do. Right, so I would like to encourage all of our listeners to join us every night. Last night we had a huge crowd because Monsignor Shea from the University of Mary showed up and it was just a big, big crowd. Last Wednesday we had a big crowd because we did it live from Ave Maria University in Ave Maria, Florida with the bishop. And we want that to grow. We'd like to have a million families every night praying the family rosary together because the more people that pray at the same time, the more powerful the prayers. And this is really the remedy for the ills that we face in modern culture. So that's one thing for Lent. Prayer, everybody knows about that. Fasting, pretty simple. Have less food. (laughs) Eat less food or less of the stuff you like. And you don't have to be too complicated. Instead of saying seconds, I'm just going to... Just stick with what I have. And then almsgiving, I like to encourage everyone to try to get in the habit of tithing, T-I-T-H-E-I-N-G. Maybe the E isn't in there when you put the I-N-G. I'd have to do a spell check on that. Maybe Sarah could do a spell check. How we do tithing, right? But I like to encourage people to give 10% from the top line, and God takes care of the rest. So those are the basic things for Lent, right? Now, some people, um, they go to Mass every day. Uh, and it's convenient for many people because there's a church in their area. For other people, it's not convenient because there isn't a church within an hour or two. But if you can get to Mass every day, I'd really encourage you to do so. And do the readings for the Mass on the Relevant Radio app. You get the readings right there on the Relevant Radio app. And then if you get there early, you can do some of the prayers before Mass, which are on the Relevant Radio app. And I, my favorite feature on the Relevant Radio app are the prayers after Mass. They're wonderful traditional prayers that really get you, help you get a lot more out of that. And then two other items for Lent. Um, uh, John, I would say the, the wonderful custom of the Stations of the Cross, on your own or at your parish, on a Friday afternoon, maybe 3 p.m. or after the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Um, I'm down in Florida for these weeks working, and I went over to the local church, St. John the Evangelist, the other day on Friday, and I was... Kind of happy when I walked into 3 p.m. Um, it's a big, beautiful church, and no one was there. I said, great, I got the whole place to myself. I got Jesus to myself. That's great. But within a few minutes, a lot of people started coming in, and they were doing their Stations of the Cross on their own. So it's a beautiful custom. And you can get the Stations of the Cross as well on the Relevant Radio app, either the printed version or the audio version. And that's a wonderful thing. So I see people, they're walking the stations, they get the earbuds in, and they're listening to the readings of St. Maria's reflections on the stations. Now, I might be partial, John, because I'm a priest of Opus Dei, and he's the founder of Opus Dei, but I like to think um, I'm fair and, uh, and balanced on this. I have read and reflected on the stations of the cross of many saints and many writers. I haven't found anything nearly as human or as practical as St. Josemaris, who really enters into the human drama of what it must have been like for Jesus. And then finally, for Lent, confession. Everybody go to confession, make a good confession. Um, If you want to stay in the game, go to confession every month. If you want to be ahead of the gang, go every two weeks. If you want to be a saint, 
Got a confession every week. It's that simple, folks. So those are kind of my thoughts for Lent, John. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. A little more prayer, a little less food, a little more money donated to your parish or to the St. Vincent de Paul or whatever it might be. Try to do the Stations of the Cross at least once. And confession, a great place to do the Stations of the Cross, John, on Good Friday is the Shrine of Christ's Passion in St. John, Indiana. This will be the 11th or 12th year in a row that we're going to broadcast it live at noon uh, for the third year in a row with a bishop of Gary, Bishop McElroy, I think that's his name, or McClory, McClory, and we'll bring that to everybody on uh, all of our platforms, and uh, we'll have a rebroadcast at 3 that afternoon on Good Friday. So lots going on, and I want to encourage people to do something today, positive, a little more prayer, a little less food, a little more generosity in your almsgiving. How's that, John? Sounds great, Father. You are a virtual cornucopia of Lenten ideas, and every one of them is good. I know in the past you've said that you don't want to try to do too many. You want to maybe pick a two or three and just focus on those and do the best you can. Yes, you know, that's the key to the spiritual life, incremental improvement, right? So if you haven't prayed at all ever, okay, well, this Lent, your prayer is grace before meals. You know, 20 seconds, you can do that. But if you're already doing grace before meals, maybe try to pray the Angelus at noon as well. You know, if you um, have never fasted, okay, well, this is the year to say, okay, I'm not going to have seconds at dinner. And don't cheat by, you know, piling it up on the first serving. But that's it. A little bit of almsgiving. Sarah had a report. She got the word for me. Sarah, what is it? Yeah, tithing is T-I-T-H-I-N-G. No E when you're adding that I-N-G. Very good, Okay, I before E except after C. And with tithing, (laughs) uh, you drop it. (laughs) There's always, there's so many rules in English, Father. That's right. When two vowels go walking, the first one does the talking. Thank you for that spell check. I don't want to mislead our audience. All right. Well, Father, you know, one of the things that uh, that I always think of when, when I think of you uh, reminding us about the importance of prayer, and especially here during Lent, when you say, the more you pray, the better things go. It's even on my coffee cup at home, just as a reminder in case I forget. Yep, yep, yep. No, that's a great thing. And I've learned that over time. I tell people at Relevant, I've been here now 13 years. I've never worked so hard. I've never prayed so much. And I've never had so much fun. I never used to do 54-day Rosary Novena Super Diversion. Never did that, right? But I, I suppose I never had something so urgent to pray for as to, we, you know, we had to save Relevant Radio back in the day from going out of business because people were ready to fold it up. And so we needed miracles. And um, it occurred to me, I need to pray a 54-day Rosary Novena, super-duper version, right? That's all five joyful, all five sorrowful, all four glorious, all five uh, luminous mysteries every day. That can take you 40 minutes to an hour. And it really takes an effort, you know, but I know if you pray like that, God has heard your prayer. Absolutely. And if he doesn't answer it, you're at peace because you know he heard it. There's no way he couldn't hear it. <laughs> so well, who are these nuts down there praying so much? <laughs> well, speaking of super duper, I want to bring in our listeners. If if you have any questions or comments or thoughts on Lent or you perhaps you have benefited from the uh, new and improved super duper Lenten lessons on the Mass, <laughs> we would love to hear from you. We're taking your calls uh, for Father Rocky Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. That's triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. We're take a short time out as we continue our conversation with Relevant Radio CEO Father Rocky. Stay with us. There is much more to come on the other side.
start your day. This is Morning Air. When I say yes, Lord, yes, yes Lord, yes, I make room for you. 9149 is our number. We're uh, talking about Lent, and uh, we're about to dive into the Lenten lessons of the Mass with our very own uh, Father Rocky, the CEO and the chairman of Relevant Radio and the host of the Family Rosary Across America. If you want to chime in and be part of the conversation, again, 888-914-9149. Father Rocky, uh, you've talked about the importance of confession during Lent. Let's talk about the Mass and uh, the importance of, of really loving the Mass and living the Mass. Um, the Lenten lessons of the Mass, once again, the super-duper version, are back. Uh, and for the listeners that may not be that familiar, may, might be a little fuzzy on what exactly these are all about, can, can you share this with sure. us? Happy to do so, John. What a great opportunity to speak to so many people listening right now. And you're right. Um, I did speak about confession. Very, very important because it's a way to be sort of reborn in Christ and the Holy Eucharist. So these are the two sacraments, the only two sacraments that a person could receive every day if they wanted to. You only get baptized once. You only get married once normally. You'd only get confirmed once, right? You get anointed to the sick maybe a couple of times, but you can receive Holy Eucharist every day and confession frequently. So these are sort of the butter and bread sacraments um, that uh, really build our spiritual life. So here's a story on the Lenten lessons on the Mass. Um, back in 2010, we had a gathering for relevant radio people on air. And our takeaway from that was everyone on air had to have a Facebook page because they said Facebook was the fastest growing world in the country. At that time, there were 300 million people on it. And I kind of groaned. I'm thinking, oh, man, I don't need another thing to do or another channel for people to reach me. But being a good sport, I obeyed and I got on Facebook. And after a couple of years, two years on it, um, I had about 6,000 followers. I said, all right, my Lenten fast is I'm going to write a short lesson on the Mass every day, find a picture and post it on my Facebook page. And if I do that in public, I have to do it. Right, because they're going to say, "Hey, where is today's? You, you, you have to persevere." Right, so that was kind of fun. It came to me very easily, because I'd written about the mass for years in the Catholic Answer magazine, and of course, being a priest, I celebrate the mass every day. And I find the whole thing very fascinating. I found a picture, and I said that was great. So then the years went by. So then the years went by, and um, Damien Schmidt, who's in charge of digital, said, "How would you like to send those Lenten lessons on the mass out to our listeners?" I said, well, that's a great idea, but I don't know where they are. They're probably lost in in the cloud somewhere. And Damien said, no, I kept them. I said, you kept them? Yeah, I kept a copy of each one and the pictures. I said, okay. So that first year, 6,000 people signed up. And the next year, another 30,000 people signed up. And then they said I had to make a video. I said, I don't have time to make a video. And they insisted. I said, well, I've got two days. Put a mic on me. I'm just going to start talking. And then you kind of cut it up. And that's what we have today. Lent Lessons on the Mass, Premium Edition, and High Definition Video. And um, last year, they were viewed more than a million times. And then we play a shortened version on radio every day. And during the course of Lent, there are tens of millions of lessons listened to. And that makes me very happy because um, we are trying to teach people. Because if you don't learn your faith, how are you going to live it? 
And if you live it, you will love it. And if you love it, you won't leave it. So that's the whole point there. And these are for all ages. Do you know why the Lenten lessons and the masses are for all ages, John? Uh, because I think we all should have a childlike uh, faith, you know, just trusting in God. And so everybody, whether you're a theologian, you'll learn something, or whether you're, a, you know, a, a four-year-old, you might learn something. That's right, because there's no age limit for going to Mass on Sunday. There you, you can go. bring a toddler, and you can bring an oldster, right? Mass is for everyone. And so these Lenten lessons on the Mass are for everyone. Catholic school teachers love them. Because they put them up a big screen, they watch them, and then they get about 20 questions from the kids. It fills the entire period, and it's free. So they love that, and there's no lesson plan, and the kids uh, learn a ton, and the old, older people learn a ton, too. So I'm very happy. But really, you've got to give credit to Damien Schmidt and Dan Axt and Larry, the other videographer, and Rich Pachinski and Emily Sturgeon and all those folks who make these happen and send them out. Very happy we could do that. Well, Father Rocky, I got to tell you, as a, a former uh, TV reporter, uh, I really appreciate uh, your on-camera efforts uh, on these videos. Uh, you are a natural father, and you and you have a way of really bringing the faith to life and educating us on so many of these different topics. Just in the last few days, uh, just uh, I love the one on the crucifix uh, from yesterday. Today, you talked about the sacrifice. Is that beautiful? Oh, it was fantastic. So every one of them yep. is better than the next, yep. Father. Yep. And, you know, I still love going into old churches in Rome, especially if I'm the only person there, just going to stand there and wonder and look at all the things and all the history and all the meaning and Jesus and the Holy Eucharist. So whenever you walk into church, you're going to find the tabernacle where Jesus is waiting in the Holy Eucharist. Sometimes I think it's sad when churches are locked. I mean, I get it because, you know, you have to have safety, but there's another way to have safety. Just have somebody there every day. Let me tell you a story. You know, I spent 15 summers in the highlands of Michoacan, Mexico, working with Purepecha people. They Why you speak, speak Espanol, Spanish. Father. Very, very Catholic. I do. So it's 9,000 feet above sea level. And the last little village at the end of the last dirt road is called San Martín de Aringatiro. And they had a little log cabin chapel that could maybe accommodate 70 people. And they were so happy because they had Jesus in the Holy Eucharist in a very, very simple tabernacle. It was made out of pine wood, and it was stained with varnish. And the inside had Christmas gift wrapping paper of gold color. That was the best they could do, but it was great because they did the best they could do. But the priest of that parish, which has 21 worship sites, right, 21 little villages scattered around the um, foothills of the mountain said they could only have the blessed sacrament there if somebody was always there. And so they take turns. You know, there's somebody there every hour of the day and every hour of the night. And this isn't in the monstrance. It's just and these people have this unbelievable faith and devotion to Jesus and the Holy Eucharist. Very happy, happy people. An amazing thing to see. So I, I get a little sad when I go to suburban churches and they're locked. Poor Jesus, you know, he's locked up there in the church. So the, sometimes the best thing you do is sit in your car in the parking lot, make a visit to the Blessed Sacrament and, and say, you know, there's got to be a better way. And this is part of the Eucharistic revival. Here's a little interesting thought, John. You, you've heard like there's a crisis of, of priests. We don't have enough priests. Do you know that's actually not true? I believe it. I believe there's a ton of priests. Okay, uh, let me Africa. tell you why. It's, 
Well, well, that's true. No, but the thing is, in the United States of America, there are as many priests per practicing Catholic today in the United States as there were in the 1960s. It's not that we have a lack of priests. We have a lack of practicing Catholics. All right, so the more practicing Catholics that you have, the more priests you have. That's why the mission of Rollo Radio is so vitally important to reach out to the people who are in their cars, wherever they are, who forgot, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to go to church. Oh, yeah, I'm a Catholic. Oh, yeah, this is what my parents taught me. Father so, Rocky, let me I jump in. Um, we have a, a, a practicing Catholic. Claire is a Relevant Radio listener joining us from Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Good morning, Claire. Uh, we have a, a quick moment uh, with Father Rocky. Good morning. I just wanted to let you know how much I love the morning air, current team, what's going on, the music, the sports, all the segments, and the Lenten lessons. Uh, I listen to them. I play them for my uh, adult, young adults before they leave in the morning, the audio version, and then we see them after the rosary when they're on the live stream. It's been wonderful so far. Awesome. Where's Cherry Hill, New Jersey, Claire? Oh, about uh, 15 minutes or less from Philadelphia. It's right over the bridge from, uh, from where? Benjamin Frank. Right near Philadelphia, if you go over, like, you go over... Oh, you're out, okay, so you're you're closer to Philly. South Jersey, yes, right near Philadelphia. I'm, yeah. I'm from yeah, Philadelphia, a, really. Oh, that's great. I love Philly. We've been there before. We've got a great station in there, 640 a.m., 50,000 watts, John. That's a big station. Sometimes at night you can hear it all the way down in Washington, D.C. Well, thank you, Claire, for sharing that and spreading the good news you know, this way we, we all help each other, and uh, learning a little bit more uh, brings it uh, brings it brings us much more close uh, closer to the Lord. Thank you, Claire. Thanks so much, uh, Claire. Really appreciate that morning air commercial, <laughs> Father Rocky, and I so much appreciate you uh, taking the time to be with us uh, this morning. As always, thanks so much. Thanks, John. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Glenn. You're doing an awesome job. God bless you. Father Francis Hoffman, Father Rocky, the CEO and the chairman of Relevant Radio. And now it's time for yet another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is Those Cookies Spoke a Million Words. It happened one April day when Lexi Wright of Missouri City, Texas was 14. She was riding home from school on the bus and knelt on her seat to braid a friend's hair. Kneeling on a bus seat, not allowed, and the driver stopped the bus and yelled at Lexi for 10 minutes in front of the other kids. Of course, Lexi went into her house crying and told her mom, Holly Wright, what happened. But that's not the end of the story. Lexi's mom had a novel idea to solve the problem. She felt the driver's anger may be rooted in some personal problem, so she suggested that Lexi respond with love and bake cookies for her. They made a batch of cookies, and the next morning Lexi offered the bus driver her cookies. She watched the driver's reaction and was stunned. The woman's heart seemed to melt at the gesture. She sat behind the wheel in disbelief. Holly wrote the driver was so moved that Lexi didn't need to offer her a hug. The driver asked her for one. Trust me when I say those cookies spoke a million words. Matthew 5.44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly Father. 
Fantastic message. As always, thanks so much, Glenn, during this, Len. I want to encourage you to try to get to daily Mass, if you can, and pray the Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky, 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. That'll do it for this Tuesday edition of Morning Air for Glenn Leverance, producer Sarah Tafoya, Gabby Burke, our entire Morning Air team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God bless America. We'll see you Wednesday on the next edition of Morning Air.